0: Good morning and welcome to episode 155 of the Quickie Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I'm so glad you're here. Before I introduce today's guest, I have to let you know today is the last day that we are accepting founding members for Print Design Academy. That's printdesignacademy.com. And it is a online education platform as well as a membership community for like-minded graphic designers and illustrators and other creatives all wanting to become experts at print design, screen print, letterpress, offset print, all kinds of print. We're going to teach you how to become experts at it. We're going to give you the tools that you need to go out and sell your customer on why it makes sense to print something, why it makes sense to add an emboss, why you should add a foil to this. And we're going to provide you with the hard copy tools that you need to show them what that would be like. We're going to be very active in the membership community. We have Print Design Academy professors who will be there to answer your questions. will have weekly live question and answers on Print Design Academy. It is going to be rad. This is your last chance to get in as a freelance designer, as an in-house designer, whatever you are pursuing, whichever direction, Print Design Academy will have something for you. It's going to be amazing. Head to printdesignacademy.com. After today, the doors are closing and we are not accepting any more founding members. And it is closed until 2020, sort of mid thinking spring or maybe even summer 2020. So it's gonna be a long time before you're able to get back in. Don't miss it. Head to printdesignacademy.com. Today's guest is Flora Gordon from Flora Gordon Design in Vancouver, BC. She is an art director and intuitive graphic designer. During this episode, we talk about her transition to full-time freelance, which was about 10 years ago, talk about her creative childhood and creativity being really encouraged, and that there was one teacher at art school that helped her sort of shape her portfolio and to pursue that creative direction. Flora also shares with us the ad that really influenced her and showed her how clever design could be. She also shares with us the story about the magazine internship and editorial design that she got and she was producing and how that helped her, how that helped shape her and teach her things in the design game. We also talk about the struggle that she faced while trying to find the right fit in the design world and how she kind of got through and navigated that. We also get into the challenges that a project can have when communication isn't addressed um, or open right from the beginning. We also get into her intuitive design process. we break that down and what that is. And we also talk about the design course that she created that she is so proud of. I love chatting with Flora. I loved the answer to her ask it forward question that I asked her right in the end of this from uh, my previous guest, Andrew Hawkrattle. And I got to admit, I wasn't sure how the next guest was going to handle it, but she nailed it. So ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. My guest today, Flora Gordon. Here we go.
1: Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field. And we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie?
0: Good morning, Flora. How are you?
1: I'm great, thanks. How are you?
0: Doing terrific. Thanks so much for being on the show today.
1: Absolutely. I wanted to tell you that... A great part of being self-employed, making my own schedule, making time for a quickie.
0: <laughs> Perfect. I could not even said that better myself. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, since you got that right out of the way, um, yeah. why don't you briefly tell the listeners about yourself?
1: Right. So I am from Vancouver, and I'm a certified graphic designer. Um, So if the American listeners are uh, members of AIGA, it's sort of our equivalent, the Graphic Designers of Canada National Association. And uh, I went to Emily Carr University and studied communication design. And uh, I am self-employed. I have done the sort of corporate in-house designer thing. Mm-hmm. I have done the specialized agency role and uh, I now serve clients mostly in the healthcare sector or related to healthcare, a lot of nonprofits,
2: okay.
1: and with custom design, a lot of art direction and developing a look and feel for campaigns and branding.
0: Very cool. So you're working yes. under Flora Gordon Design right now, correct? Right. Yeah. Perfect. So how long have you been working under that for?
1: Uh, I think about 13 years, but that means I started when I was in in school or more than then. Okay. I'm not doing math here, but, um, yeah, when I was in school, I started taking commissions and I always had that in the background while Uh I was, while I was doing graphic design jobs in a nine to five basis.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So you were doing the, you know, the, your studio and agency thing while still freelancing as well.
1: Right, so at, at the beginning it was more like I'm, I'm just doing this on the side and then now it's evolved to more of a business where I oh. have contract employees and um, it's, it's an it's, it's beyond just being a self-employed person, I would say.
0: Very cool. Okay, so when did that when did that transition take place? When did you leave the whole studio agency life behind you and just go full-time freelance and start building the business?
1: Yeah, so what happened to me was I was at I was working in technical publishing mm-hmm. and I just realized that while I was learning a lot there, I wasn't going to be able to get the kind of t- um creative opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um so I actually left in in oh, November. I'm looking at my LinkedIn cuz I couldn't remember. Um <laughs> November 2010. So uh coming on a decade of uh, being full-time self-employed by choice.
0: That's awesome.
1: And I felt not as afraid because I already had some clients. I could tell them, Hey, I have more availability right now. And I didn't have as many, you know, liabilities or, uh, you know, mortgage, that kind of thing at that point. Very
0: cool. So you could really make that transition relatively risk-free
1: absolutely exactly.
0: So, such a blessing you know to be able to yeah. do that with a... so i want to dive back a little bit further than the design stuff flora and i want to chat yeah. about your childhood a little bit and i want to hear if you feel that you had a creative childhood that led you in this career path
1: i totally did in fact i think that my both having parents and you know grandmothers that really encouraged my creativity Mm -hmm. um so it's like you want you want paint you want to make a mess you want to uh spend your time doing this that's valuable being a creative person is valuable those are great skills like Mm -hmm. it's really encouraged My, my my mom used to save like Crappy drawings that I did, and say like it's going to be worth something someday. You're going to be so famous, and they would <laughs> encourage me. And I think that's amazing because sometimes I hear about people who are forced into a different career uh-huh. um, than what their life's calling is. And I know we're in a privileged society when we're able to choose and make money doing what we love. Uh-huh. And not everyone is able to even make a living. But um, I just feel really fortunate that I was encouraged that way and the time I like, I would say to my dad, like, I just want to paint myself blue. I'm like four years old, strip down, go outside, paint my whole body blue, things like that. <laughs> um, or he would, um, point out clever ads to me. So he would, I, I just went in one of your questions. You had something about like a, a really influential design and he yeah, yeah. pointed out. Yeah. He pointed out this ad. It's, it was a radiator. We're outside Granville Island with a big billboard. It's a radiator and there's a fluffy cat, but it's pink because it's pink for the color of that fiberglass that okay. people put in to insulate their homes. Yep. And he's saying to me, why is that, why is that cat pink? You know, Why is this ad clever? And he would explain it to me until I got to the age where I could figure most of them out. So I feel really like my parents encouraged me a lot, which is great
0: definitely so they encouraged you to explore creativity to mm-hmm. go out there you know you want paints yeah yeah here's some paints um, yeah when did the graphic design switch get flicked for you was there somebody who introduced you to it or how did you get introduced to that
1: yeah absolutely so i had a teacher at emily and instructor at emily carr university Mm -hmm. um charles dobson and he taught a course called design process Mm -hmm. and i was in there just studying general arts first year foundation and i thought okay if i take a course on photography i'll make better photos of my portfolio pieces Mm -hmm. and if i take um course on design then when i'm laying out my portfolio among other artists portfolios mine will stand out as having nice uh, alignment or other design principles and then Mm -hmm. it turned out that i just really ended up loving photography and design and charles dobson taught this class called design process Mm -hmm. where he actually breaks down like the creative process and explains what's what's happening when should you come up with all these ideas how should you judge them what makes a successful design. Like he's one of the few people that's really um, gone into detail about that. And he really, really encouraged everyone in the class. And if people were willing to work hard, he was willing to look at their portfolio to get them into design school at Emily Mm -hmm. Carr.
0: Very cool. So he was influential. He was an influential person in that journey because he helped you shape your portfolio to pursue the direction you wanted to go?
1: Exactly. Exactly, and, and um, it, it give encouragement, suggests books, uh, just like represented design for me. So mm-hmm. I'm really grateful to him.
0: Very cool. What an awesome opportunity that he put you through that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now you already mentioned an awesome ad that was you know really influential to you, and I'm yes. really disappointed that I didn't get to see that ad. in And <gasps> my-
1: <laughs> I googled it. I'm gonna have to like draw it for you from
0: memory. <laughs> yeah, draw it from memory, right? Um yeah. so I wanna move on then to ask you about some designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow. And what about them do you like?
1: Yeah, so the one name that really stands out for me is Sally Hogshead. And okay. she she is she started more in advertising as a copywriter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really looked up to her because, or I really look up to her because, uh, being very, very, very successful woman in advertising, like there was a lot of barriers, like it's mostly men. And, uh, I really felt that she presents herself very confidently and she's done a lot of advertisements for like Mini, um, like the car called Mini. Yep and um different brands like that with a really really bold copy statement and then not a headline and then like not a ton of supporting graphics like the car clear lettering it's like it speaks for itself mm-hmm. i really lo- love that kind of thing and she wrote some books because she d- got scientific studies done about what actually compels people emotionally to buy or to to look and react at an ad mm-hmm. So I love that she went beyond like the graphic design theory and actually went into those studies. And it's those things that they have figured out, like around the world, people respond to this, that and the other. And it's never failing. And I find that absolutely compelling and useful in my work all the time. Mm -hmm. So she's got three books um, and on on basically the science of fascination. And I really suggest people pick them up. Um, at least a couple of them are on audiobooks too, if you like audible. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I just like how she took it to the next level and, um, she's now, uh, considered a top, uh, speaker as well.
0: Very cool. Yeah. What a yeah. great influence, especially that sort of research being armed with that information when going into design and creative, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty cool tools to have in the toolbox.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Um, I want to ask now about print and packaging, and how you have utilized print in your design career. Um, any stories around print or packaging you could share?
1: Yeah, I mean, print's been huge for me, and it's. I just want to do a little backtrack here to say, when I finished university, like I didn't. When I was, I should have taken more classes on interactive. Mm-hmm. And learned like what is a website and how do you well not what is a website, but what is a website built from and how does it work? And I didn't I didn't take that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I mean now it would be mobile and things like that. But I actually focused more on art direction and typography and learning to take really awesome photos. Yep. And everyone said to me that I would be out on the street. And they said, uh if you can't do websites, you can't make a web, you you can't make a, an agency that would survive. And Mm it was like, when you come out of school, it's it's sort of expected that you have all the skills yourself.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then I got to a certain point, it's like now more as being an art director, I'm focusing more on a look and feel. And I have partners and other companies that I work with that will build the website, or maybe I'll do a, Front end, like a page mock up in Photoshop, and people will take it from there. Yep. But it was really going against everyone's advice, and it actually hasn't really been a problem for me. So <laughs> encouragement to people out there. Uh, there weren't as many things to easily help you build a website like now. We've got Wix or Squarespace or these All things. The tools, yeah. Yeah. But so for me, print was where I really what I really sunk my teeth into. I worked for Vancouver magazine as a, as an intern and got to put out, put out advertisements that I designed and whole advertorial sections in Western living and Vancouver magazine. So when I went to interviews, I had these physical magazines that look so impressive because they do such a lovely job there. Right. So I could say, Hey, I did this, this went, you know, this had a distribution of this many tens of thousands Mm -hmm. and, uh, That really set me apart, that experience, and it gave me a huge amount of confidence. Because I think if you finish school and then you don't do anything but like a few small digital jobs,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you're gonna be scared the first time you send something to get mass printed. So I'm really grateful for that opportunity to do, I did a sort of co-op internship there, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I still look back at those magazines and think, that that gives me a huge amount of confidence and uh, really helped my portfolio at that point.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Editorial and magazine design is so much fun. Yeah. And going cool. from seeing something on screen to seeing your work in print, what does that feel like to you?
1: Oh, I, I was so proud. And then um, also when they put my name in the masthead or in the sort of list of people who have contributed. Yeah. I was, that was so exciting for me because I came from a household where we read a lot of newspapers and magazines and we're always looking at, and that, and I thought, I didn't ever think that would be me, so, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I love that printed side of things. Absolutely. Um, All right, Flora, time for the tough stuff. Oh, yeah. The next few questions I have for you take you down some of the challenging times in your design career and the lessons that you learned through those challenges. And I want to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it?
1: Yeah, so I definitely had that huge amount of fear and anxiety when i was finishing school
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i thought how am i ever going to get a job i feel like an outsider okay i still feel like an outsider but <laughs> i want to don't work with all. it don't we yeah. don't we all <laughs> um yeah so i definitely had a huge amount of insomnia like, uh, who, who, why I don't, am not going to fit in with an agency. Like we were doing those informational interviews mm-hmm. and, uh, so were some great agencies that were so nice and gave us so much information. I'm showing them our portfolio. And then one person said, Oh yeah, we met someone else from your school. They came and had a beer with us. And I, I don't drink by the way. Um, yeah. uh, And I just thought, oh, I'm never going to be like the bro who goes and has a drink (laughs) with people and fits in and talks about websites. I don't know how to make websites. I just felt like this is where where will I ever find my place? Mm -hmm. And it turned out making my own place was the best idea after putting in my time and learning the systems. But I think one thing that really, really helped me through that time was there were really kind people who came and were willing to sit down with me and look at my portfolio, like established designers from agencies who would come meet meet me for a coffee and just look through my work and give me feedback in a really constructive, clear way.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And also what I started doing volunteer work for some different nonprofit organizations. uh, And they would value my work so much. Like, thank you so much for... For volunteering for us and mm-hmm. i would meet so many people through volunteering and they could tell that i was great to work with so those were really helpful to me at a time where i i felt like garbage to be honest until mm-hmm. i got I, I got some i got some work i got some freelance gigs and i started working uh, at an agency and things like that um Definitely I think it can be really easy to stay home and sit at your computer and stare at LinkedIn all day and read job ads, but it's not good for your mental health and it's not good for meeting people. You have to get out there, unfortunately.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you know, you had a struggle to just sort of find the right fit in the design yes. world. Find sort of where your place was and Absolutely. your way of pulling yourself out of that and and to Um, reinvigorate your journey was to start volunteering some of your talents and your time right to really see what parts of your creative skills were the most valued and and sort of flexing that is that fair to say
1: absolutely absolutely and I look like uh, the nonprofits that I work with I'm looking for ones that really do great work in the community and can really benefit from having, um, design support Mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. Or I I also have done a lot of volunteer photography and they also are clear. They know the value of what I'm donating. Do you know what I mean? They're not going to go out and not hire someone else for a project because they think it's worth $0 or something. Like (laughs) these are places with a clear communications protocol and professional people working there but yeah it was it's really it really felt good as well like um uplifting
0: yeah and that does a lot
1: yeah
0: all right now i want to get a little bit more specific
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and
0: i'd love for you to tell us about a specific designer project that you were Mm -hmm. a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result what was that like how did that feel can you take us to that story
1: Absolutely. So I've had the privilege of working with so many great communication coordinators, marketing people, mm-hmm. journalists. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a person that may be working alongside me and we may be speaking to the client directly or they may be the go between. But I have now learned that if I haven't communicated enough to that person, mm-hmm. it's going to be broken telephone by the time it gets to the client. Mm-hmm. So, I've had a couple projects really go sideways when I realized I didn't do that groundwork to make sure, um, and maybe it was a less experienced marketing person, uh, communications person. But if they didn't ask questions like, does the final product, can it be a PDF? And then I, you know, I find out at the end of the project they needed it in Word. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that. Yeah. I've had, um, I did a lot and and so that's my fault I assumed that everyone knew that and right. that if you wanted something if you want something to look good it's not gonna get anywhere near word but um, is uh, then if they need something editable I mean a PDF is not gonna cut it mm-hmm. so but I also had a situation where I was designing a logo for a client, and they basically, uh, I had a person in between me, she's a great marketing person, but I didn't get the chance to speak directly to the client, and the mm-hmm. client was, l- like, I sent a bunch of different drafts, you know, when you just do a bunch of different designs, and he thought one of the drafts looks similar to something he had seen online, and you know what, it's quite possible,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like, it happens, but it's it just a lot was of stuff out a- there. Yeah. And it was just a draft. It was nothing published. No one's going to see it except him. And he thought that I had done some kind of copyright infringement and that I, you know, that we were all going to get in trouble. And he was legitimately afraid. And I was like, this is, this isn't on anything yet. Like, this is really a draft and I can cut, you know, option number three. Yeah but i when i thought at first i thought just didn't understand i thought actually this person just doesn't know about the process and is actually think actually thinks they're going to get in trouble here
2: mm-hmm.
1: so um that's a situation where now it's really rare that i will do a logo without speaking directly to the people who are getting it
0: for sure there's so much value in that direct communication because it's very rare that exactly the the tone, the words, the description that the customer, end paying customer, who you're doing the work for, you know, it's it's very rare that that information is exactly transferred along one to two more people further down the line. Absolutely. You know, there's so much value in that direct face to face, you know, sorting things out and going through things, right? Absolutely. Hundred percent. Um, Flora, what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now?
1: So something, yeah, something that I'm trying to figure out right now is I'm rebranding my company. I'm trying to learn what can I delegate and what do I have to do myself? Mm-hmm. What could a junior designer or a associate designer do? Uh, what could an admin person do in my day to make my, my time more efficient and things like that. And then also, um, I'm sort of launching a new part of my company where I want to actually show who I really am after cool. hiding it for a while. Yeah, and it's something that I call intuitive branding. Cool. So I'm using my sort of uh, insight as an intuitive person uh, for clients who want that angle in on their branding. Cool. And it's a little scary because it sort of feels like coming out about, <laughs> hey, I meet people who are really not going to like that. Mm-hmm. And they're I'm perfectly capable of doing the super corporate project for them. But I do also meet clients who are aware of intuitive work and the power of that side of things mm-hmm. and uh, ready to um, meet that kind of client who wants... Uh, some skills I, I call them skills that are not earth based yeah uh, in in their project, so
0: yeah. super cool um mm-hmm. can you tell me a little bit about that intuitive design process? I mean don't give away your trade secrets or anything
1: yes no, But, no, like
0: give me the give me the elevator story on that
1: right, okay, so uh I know a lot of agencies promote a real design process where it's sort of like i've performed surgery. I'm this. You would want the surgeon that's performed the surgery on zillions of people and mm-hmm. has an exact method and wrote the book about it. And that's totally cool and great. And I love it. And I'm a super fan of their work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But how it happens with me is if someone wants a more intuitive design process, it's, it's less like sitting down and saying like, learning about them, here are my packages, do you want this branding package, do you want this branding package, and here are your typical outcomes. I don't know what those outcomes are gonna be. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be more than people expect. Uh, Recently quoted on a logo, then I called the client and said, you're gonna get something different, are you cool with it? And they are, because they worked with me before and they know. So I ended up writing seven taglines for them Mm-hmm. And making them a word mark and a series of custom illustrations, and I think that 's going to serve them better than sort of a sort of combination mark logo that 's got a symbol in it mm-hmm. so it 's for people um who are looking to uncover and show who they really are in their brand um they it's uh Yeah, I mean, it can be a little bit hard to describe. Uh, I do meet people and immediately have strong thoughts about which direction to go, but the actual outcomes, it's a little bit more of a journey Mm -hmm. and less something that you could have. Week two, you're going to receive black and white mock-ups, and week three, we're going to narrow it down to this many and add color. It's it's not that. It's uh, just discovering what people really need and um, using tools like empathic, uh, into empathic tools. That's, um, being able to sense and feel and take on people's emotions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'll do that. I'll, th- I'll think about their core customer. Like what are they really feeling? What are they really needing? Like what are we, what are they really going after and how are the communication materials, whatever we develop going to like speak to them and their heart and really address what they're after.
2: hmm
0: that is fascinating, and I am somewhat familiar with sort of the intuitive um, world and the you know the empath world. My wife is very much an empath and feels okay. a lot of what everybody feels um, and actually is running a business for intuitive um, sort of health and wellness
1: oh cool,
0: right so um yeah, you would totally dig it, so check out Victoria um intuitive wellness on instagram victoria underscore intuitive wellness and sort of check out what well, she's got cooking but you and her are very very aligned i can tell already
1: it's amazing because i definitely already follow her on instagram and you actually already follow her all the time. i do i do are you
0: serious that's hilarious i'm
1: serious but this is the kind of thing that happens to me all day every day yeah. with these sort of happy accidents so yeah. that's, that's is incredible.
0: awesome that's incredible. yeah okay Um, I want to now turn the bus around for you and I want you to tell us about a project that you have been a part of that you are the most proud of. One that just makes your heart sing.
1: Absolutely. So, um, I wrote a course for Simon Fraser University. It's an Mm -hmm. online course. It's in their plain language certificate program and it is a course on accessible graphic design. Mm -hmm. It's called plain graphics and design. Okay. And the plain part is plain language is language that is 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 writing that is totally clear and intended for its audience. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a bunch of engineers, they want a bunch of acronyms, they want a writing a particular technical style of way, and that's gonna be what they're most comfortable reading. If you have people who are new to English or have cognitive or or you have another group of people who have cognitive challenges uh-huh. um they're going to both need writing specifically for them um also like things about healthcare um election material uh-huh. information we all have the right to know so basically if you have this really clear writing but you have it in a layout that's got a really awful font size and uh no no letting and uh, no contrast. No one's gonna be able to read it. So SFU um, hired me to write this course, plain graphics and design that people take online. And I'm so proud of it because I spent a really long time researching Mm -hmm. best practices for legibility, readability. And now what I'm finding is these people who are taking these, these courses are using it to like change the style guides at their work and redo all their do- documents. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna name like who's in the course, but these are totally people I'd love to work with yep. and admire, and they're taking my course.
0: That's incredible.
1: Wow, yeah, and so I'm, and I've had the privilege of sitting with groups of people with different accessibility needs. For instance, I've worked with a group of people who do leadership activities, and they're people who are actually living with dementia.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've had the chance to meet with them and show them different designs and say, what res- what makes sense to you, what resonates with you, mm-hmm. what do you think someone else with barriers to cognition could understand, and mm-hmm. that's the kind of information, like, it's like gold, and it, just the opportunity to get that has been amazing, and incorporate that into my work. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's been great. I've also been able to speak about accessibility uh, and graphic design at a couple Editors Canada conferences, so it's another area I'm super passionate about, yep. making c- clear uh, information for people and um, promoting these design best practices for, uh, for readability, legibility, and uh, helping people understand and act.
2: What a
0: cool project to be a part of. Ah, oh, thank you. To create that sort of a design course, and not mm-hmm. only to create it and the joy and the good feelings that come with that, mm-hmm. but being um, you know having people that you look up to and would love to work with take the course—what like, a fulfilling feeling!
1: Ah, uh, thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. And one thing I worked on really hard was to make an assignment that is actually relevant to them in their current work. Because mm-hmm. the people taking the courses in continuing studies, they have they mostly have full-time jobs or they're caregiving, they have kids. Yep. So I want to make something they're going to use. I don't want to No, it's not not a make-work project. Definitely. So, yeah.
0: Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Flora, you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question. That's where yes. I have a question for you for my last guest. Nice. And you get the opportunity to ask a question of the next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask okay. them anything. Okay. Cool. Okay, <clears throat> so I'm not going to give any context to this. Okay. I'm just going to come out and ask it. And the question comes from Andrew Hawk Rattle. He runs Hawk.co. And right now he is running a amazing social media campaign um, to be America's MC for next Whoa. year. So it's super fun, super cool. Um, check him out on Instagram for sure. So he wanted to ask you... <clears throat> So, what's your deal?
1: <laughs> it sounds like a first date question. What's my deal? Okay, I, I, I have something for this: to give and show love in a creative way.
0: Wow! I have yeah. to, I have to just give you the slow clap there because you just like. <laughs> <laughs> boom you just like you had it locked in the chamber but you didn't even know what was coming or did you already know what was coming
1: i thought it would be really funny if i wrote a question that was the same as the one that was going to be asked of me <laughs> but i wouldn't have been surprised but yeah anyways that's my life mission so i've i've got that i'm going to call that's my deal that's my deal
0: i love it i love your answer thank um, you flora what is your question that you'd like me to ask the next guest?
1: Okay. So my question is, I want to ask them what they think the biggest misconception about a graphic design career is. Mm. And if they want to, if they want to say from students or from like clients and, or the public, they can choose.
0: So what is the biggest misconception about a graphic design career and who does that misconception come from?
1: That's great. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome.
0: Flora, you've made it to the end of the podcast. Thank Thank you you so much. much. Thank you so much for your time. It was amazing having you.
1: I really appreciate it and loved all the questions and thank you so much.
0: All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time. That's it for this week. I will be back again on Monday, so we'll see you then.